0: Well, let's go ahead and get into our message today. I wanted to kind of just start with giving you guys a little bit of a peek behind the curtain um, with um, some of the ways that I like to get prepared for my messages. Um, I, I've tried many different things in particular to find exactly what topic to jump into and what type of content that I want to, to uh, get into. I've tried many different things. I certainly studied the word of God that's most uh, important, but I've tried books. I've tried you know going online and looking at articles. I do all of these different things, but one of the most helpful tactics that I've taken is as I'm doing my studying and as I'm going through whatever content I'm reading, what I'll try to do is I will try to ask myself um, important uh, probing questions just to get my mind going a little bit. Um, I, I'm the type of reader where I have, to, I have to read very slowly in order to comprehend and soak in exactly what is being said. And so what helps me sometimes is just to ask questions along the way. What does this mean? What exactly is this driving at? And so many times that's how I end up finding the topic that I want to speak on Sunday, And um, a lot of times what will happen is um, I will go through that process over and over and over again and I'll end up going down this crazy random road that I never would have thought I would have gone down and 50 questions later, I find exactly what I was looking for. But today, as I was preparing for this message and I was reading scripture, I couldn't get past the very first question that I asked myself. The very first question that popped into my head I couldn't get past it. I couldn't go beyond it because it just encompassed me. And the question was, was very simply, but very seriously this, do you love God? Do you love God? I was reading through scripture and reading about who he is and what makes him who he is and all the things that he's done. And all of a sudden this question popped into my head. And I couldn't get past it. I I couldn't go beyond it. And what I started to think about was my own personal experience with this question. Because I remember very vividly growing up in the church, it was something that was always a part of our lives. We were always involved in the church, always um, involved in what was going on. And and I remember as a kid growing up, even as a teenager, I remember that um, because we were around these things, I had um, created some, some decent habits for myself. I um, knew how to go through the motions. I knew the right things to say. I knew the right things to do to at least pretend like I had a relationship with God. But really, in all honesty, there wasn't anything there. There wasn't anything genuine. wasn't anything deep and sustainable to hold on to. But because I had created some good habits for myself, I do remember on occasion, not as much as I should have, but on occasion, I would pray. If I was driving in the car or if I was at home by myself, I would just begin to pray. And I remember so vividly sometimes as I was praying, my mind would begin to to wander. I would kind of lose my focus. My mind would begin to wander. Now that happens still to me today. So that's not all that unique. But I remember as my mind would wander, the words that I was saying repeatedly were, I love you. I love you, God. I love you. My mind was in a hundred different places going all these different directions. But the words I was saying is, I love you. And it was kind of a habit that I had created. I guess it was just something to keep my mouth moving as my mind was going elsewhere. But one time I remember stopping myself and I thought, do I mean that? Like I'm, I'm saying it over and over again. It's the words that are coming out of my mouth, but do I really mean that? And I remember so clearly at that time in my life, The honest answer was no. I I, I didn't mean that. I didn't have a relationship with him. I wasn't truly dedicated to him. The answer was no. And I can remember as quickly as I could just kind of moving on to the next subject, right? I don't wanna dwell there. I don't wanna hang out there. That's a a scary thing when you realize that. But then as I got into my mid-20s and as I did have a genuine relationship with God, I had truly submitted my will to him. I remember in my prayer time one time, wasn't anything very different, just my typical conversation with God. But I I remember at the end of that prayer those words kind of seeping out of my mouth again. I love you, God. And I stopped. I had a flashback to when I was a teenager. And when I would say those words and, and the deep ache and, and the hole that I felt when I said those meaningless words. I was brought right back to that moment. But then I had a smile come over my face because I realized this time, I mean it. I mean it. I remember chills going down my arms and I remember my heart just like leaping with joy. My mind was thinking about his goodness and his grace and his mercy and what that means for me. This time, I meant it. I meant it. That was such a vivid reminder for me. And so what I want to do today Very simply, but very seriously, I want each one of us to truly and honestly ask ourselves this question. Do you love God? Don't just go with the initial response that you think is right. Think about the true answer to that question. And maybe for some of you, you'll get that feeling of joy and that feeling of fullness as you remind yourself, he is everything to me. I love him with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul. But maybe some of you will get that deep ache. Maybe some of you will feel that hole in your heart that is missing because honestly, the answer to that question is no. And what I wanna encourage you with today is instead of avoiding that and running from that like I once did, I want you to wrestle with that. I want you to to grapple with that so that you can honestly answer the question and pursue whatever it is you need to pursue to answer that the way that you want to. Do I really love God? Now, I wanna be clear about the question that I'm asking here. I wanna be clear. The question is, do you love God? So we're not talking about if God loves you. We sang a lot about that today. That was kind of the primary message of what we were singing today. God loves us. That's not what we're talking about. We're not even talking about why we should love God. Like, what is the cause of that love? Why should we love him? We're not even talking about that. I just want to talk about the nature of us loving him. Like, deep down, honestly, what does it mean to love God? How does that bear itself out in our lives? Is it a feeling? Is it a behavior? Is it a group of actions? What is it that shows us the answer to this question? And so the way that we're gonna do this is we're gonna dig into two primary scriptures today that I think do a beautiful job of bringing this concept to light, okay? Now, we're gonna reference other scriptures along the way, but these two are gonna be our anchors so that we can really understand what it means to love God and truly do some self-reflection on what that means for us, okay? So let's take this seriously. Let's lean into this because this is very, very important for our relationship with God. Okay? Before we do that, let's say a quick word of prayer what I want you to do, I think so often when we pray around here, we just kind of listen to whoever's got the microphone and whatever they're saying. This time, I would like you to, to really pray that God would open up your heart to receive whatever he has for you today. Like maybe something needs to shift in your mind or in your heart so that this can position itself the way that it needs to. And so pray that he would do that work in your life. So please bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would speak to us in a way that truly changes our hearts, in a way that, that allows us to leave this place differently, even if that just means that we're closer to you, whatever it takes, God, I ask that you would work in this place in only the way that you can. I ask that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would receive this on good soil so that you can grow it and move it forward in our lives. This is oh so important to us. And we ask that you would speak to us in a way that changes, in a way that impacts, in a way that moves, in a way that transforms. It's only possible through you. It's only possible through you. We pray it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and get into this today. We're gonna start in Matthew chapter 10. And real quick, uh, before we get into it, just quick context so that you understand exactly what we are about to read. When we get into Matthew chapter 10, what we're reading here is a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples, okay? So he has gathered his closest followers around him and he is gonna speak some wisdom into their lives. And actually, this is a pretty important part of his relationship with the disciples because he's actually preparing and equipping them to send them out to do his work. And so what he's telling them here is something that he wants to stick. It's something that he wants them to to really understand so that they can fulfill the purpose for which he's sending them. Okay, so this is what we read in Matthew 10, verse 37. Jesus says, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, let me read that one more time so you can understand exactly what he's saying. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. This is a huge statement that Jesus is making to his disciples. And if I'm being honest with you, this is one of those statements that I read in scripture that initially doesn't sit all that well with me. It's one of those statements that doesn't really hit me like in a sweet place of my heart. It doesn't, I don't know if if it's comparing love relationships like this. I don't know if it's trying to imagine loving anyone more than I love my family, like how is that possible? I, I, I struggle to wrestle with this. It doesn't really sit well for me initially. But I think there's two primary reasons why Jesus is telling his disciples this statement. I think there's two reasons why he's really trying to drive this home. And and, and the two things that I think he's trying to bring to light is the level of love that he desires from us and the type of love that he desires from us. The level of love and the type of love. I think this is what Jesus is really driving at. Now, there's a reason that he is comparing love here to some of the most precious relationships that we have in life right? I I think uh, the reason that is initially is because he's just trying to get us to open up to a level of love that we don't typically correlate to him. That if we're just being honest, naturally, we don't correlate to our relationship with God. We sing about it. We read about it. We talk about it. But all of a sudden, it's different when we see the type of love that shows itself in our everyday lives. So let me put it this way. I want you to think about Right now, I want you to think about how many days of the week your love for your family is on display. How many days of the week is your love for your family undoubtedly on display? Every day. How many hours of every day is your love for your family on display? How many hours? Now that might be different for for some of us, but I think we can suffice it to say this is a constant level of love that we're talking about. Whether we're talking to them, whether we're doing something for them, whether we're thinking about them, it's constant. And God knows that the level of love that we have for our families is is immeasurable, right? It's the type of love that I can't explain to you. I, I can't quantify that level of love to you. It's immense. And this is what he desires from us. This is the reason he makes this comparison, because that same constant, immeasurable love is what he desires from us. At one point in Jesus's life, somebody comes up to him and they say, hey, listen, let's just cut straight to it. Let's go straight to it. What is the number one thing that you could tell us? The number one commandment, what is the top priority in our lives? What does Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. That is priority number one. That is what is most important. He makes no bones about it. And so yes, as much as we love our our parents, as much as we love our children, my goodness, we should love God more. Now you're gonna have to wrestle with that. You're gonna have to contemplate that because that is a huge huge statement that we have to realize in our relationship with God. This is the level of love that he's driving at. But he's also talking about a type of love here that we need to understand. And this is where the specific relationships that he calls out become really important here, okay? Now I think we've all learned either by experience or just by knowledge that there are different types of love, right? We don't love our spouses the same way that we love our friends, right? In this case, we don't love our parents the same way that we love our children. There are different types, different forms, different angles of that word love. And so Jesus makes the comment, he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, this is the statement that I I can't comprehend. This is the statement for me that just boggles my mind because I've only got one kid, two-year-old little girl, but, but I can't comprehend what Jesus is saying here. I can't go there. But what I really think he's trying to show us is the type of love that he desires from us because the type of love that we have for our children, that's special. That's, that's unique. That's, that's different, Right? You can't compare that to anything else in this world. And it's different because it's a type of love that is led and driven by affection, by delight, by joy. That's the type of love we're talking about. Now think about it. So much of our relationship with God, we talk about words like submission and obedience, right? We have to comply to his desires. We have to surrender our wills to him. And and that is an aspect of loving God. We're gonna talk about that in a second. That is absolutely an aspect of loving God. But when he compares our love to loving our children, he's obviously not talking about the obedience love. He's not talking about a submission to authority here. He's talking about the type of love that is affection the type of love that is treasured, the type of love that you delight in. Like you love your children more than you can imagine, right? They are the joy of your life. They are what puts a smile on your face. They're the reason that you work so hard. You wouldn't sell them out for all the treasures in the world. That's their value to you. Think about that. That's what they are worth to you. And that relationship doesn't feel like an obligation to you, does it? That's not an obligation. It's not a requirement. You want, you desire, you're desperate to love that person. Now apply that to your relationship with God. What is he worth to you? If you were to describe your affection or lack thereof for him, what would that look like? Jesus says, he who loves son or daughter more than me not worthy of me. We must contemplate this if we're truly going to enter into a love relationship with him. Okay. Let's move into the second verse that we're going to dig into today. First John chapter five, verse one. We're going to go verse by verse here because I think we're going to see some really cool things come to light as we move through this. So let's jump right in. It starts by saying, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. Now listen to this, verse three. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Now, at one point in Jesus's life, John chapter 14, verse 15, he says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. Now, again, this is one of those verses that many of us struggle with initially, because that feels like an obligation, That feels like I I have to do his commandments to to love him. That doesn't feel right to me, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you love me, you're gonna keep my commandments. Love is at the core. Love is the the foundation. So what he's saying is, is that obedience is an expression of love. It is not love. It is not equal to love, but it is an expression or a result of true love. We have to, to put that in the right order. Now, the reason that it's important to understand this is because when we mix that up, we begin to see our relationship with God as like this imprisonment of love. Like, I don't have any choice in the matter. I, I have to love him. I have to do what he's telling me to do. And that is not a description of love that you will see anywhere in scripture. You will not see that picture anywhere in the word of God. The essence of our love for God is Love. We love God because we love God. That's it. But what we will see down the road is that when we truly love him unconditionally, we have a wanting, loving desire to trust and obey him. It starts with love, but we see some other things coming down the road when we enter into that. But let's read the the rest of verse three because this is really the key to this whole idea. It starts by saying, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Like when we truly love God, all of a sudden keeping and obeying his commandments is not a burdensome, heavy task. It's a loving, delightful task that we get to enter into. Now let's go back to the comparison to the love we have for our families. When when you care for, when you provide for your family, you delight in that. You delight in seeing them benefit from your hard work. You delight in seeing them reap the rewards of what you've accomplished, right? Now that that doesn't mean that it was easy. Doesn't mean that it didn't take hard work, but you delight in it. Why? Because you love them. And it's the same way with Christ. When he truly captures our hearts, our keeping of his commandments becomes not so burdensome, becomes not so heavy. It's not this outward legalistic endeavor, but it's a deep loving endeavor that displays true love of God, true delight in his commandments. Now think about what we read from from David, delighting in the laws of God just meditating on God's commandments, just just delighting in them. Why? Because he loved them. He loved God so much that he could delight in his commandments. Now, I wanna go to a different set of scriptures here because I wanna show you what the apostle Paul has to say about this particular subject. I love reading what the apostle Paul has to say. I love his perspective. He's, he's my guy. And so oftentimes I'll go to his writings to, to see if I can get more and more context. And I found this in Philippians chapter three. This is Paul speaking of himself, but pay close attention to the concept that he's bringing to light. He says, I was of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Listen, as to the righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. As to the righteousness, which is in the law, I was found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. This is one of the most powerful scriptures that you're gonna read because what Paul is saying is, is listen, I obtained a righteousness under the law that was blameless. It was was perfect. I had done everything right. But all of that righteousness, all of that blamelessness, I now count as lost just to know Christ, just just to, to know him. He says all of that righteousness, all of that blamelessness, not only is it a loss, it's rubbish. It's trash. It's garbage. It's filthy. And it's the same garbage And it's the same trash that is seen when we keep God's commandments by way of burden. When we keep his commandments by way of obligation. If we think we love God because with great burden and obligation, we keep his commandments, we have yet to truly love God. Because there is a type of commandment keeping in scripture that causes your actions rubbish, trash, Garbage, get it out of here. We have to go back to verse eight here because this is what matters. Paul says, all of that, all of that, I'm done with. It doesn't matter, it's a loss. I count all things to be a loss in view, in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I just want you to think about that sentence. I count all things. That's a definitive statement. I count all things, everything as a loss in view of the surpassing value of just knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, earlier we talked about the value that you place on your children. We talked about what they're worth to you, right? They are the joy of your world. They are the reason you work so hard. They are what puts a smile on your face. You wouldn't sell them out for all the treasures of the world. That's their value to you. That's love. So the question is, do you love God? What is he worth to you? What is his value to you? Do you count all things to be lost in view of just knowing Jesus? I want, you, I want you to wrestle with this. I want you to contemplate this because I'm not pretending like this is an easy endeavor. I'm not pretending like this is, this is just something that you're gonna walk into by accident. But this is what scripture is telling us about how we must love God. God. Now, listen, if every time I've asked the question, do you love God? If, if you're being real, if you're being honest, every time I've asked that, if, if there's just this sinking feeling, I, honestly, no. I don't love God. I want to love God. Like, I, I, I wish that I could say yes to that, but honestly, deep down, I don't love him. If, if that's what you've been thinking, listen, that's fine. Be honest about it. Be serious about it but I wanna make a statement so that you can comprehend what exactly we need to get into here. First John chapter five, verse one says this, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Whoever believes, listen, listen, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Listen, you can't have his surpassing value in view if you don't truly believe in him? That's logical, right? It doesn't make sense that you could see him as a surpassing value and yet not even believe in him. And so if the the answer continues to be no in your heart, you need to contemplate 1 John 5 verse one. Whoever believes. Now, earlier in scripture in, in Acts, Paul and Silas are asked, What must I do to be saved? The answer is very simple. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Are you seeing the consistency here? Are you seeing the obvious nature of what is being said? But the question is, what exactly does belief mean? What exactly does it mean when I say that I believe in Jesus? There are two things, two things that I wanna cover with you real quick. When you truly believe that Jesus is the Christ, the two things are faith and repentance. Faith and repentance must be in view when we talk about belief. Because if you truly believe that Jesus died for your sins, If you truly believe that, that will lead you to repentance. Truly believing that he laid down his life for you. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it, but he's paid that debt for you. Repentance will follow. When you truly believe that he is the Messiah, that he is your savior, then you must submit to him. You must trust and obey him with everything that you've got. There's no other route that you can take. It must be faith and it must be repentance. In fact, the apostle Paul, we talked about him earlier in Acts chapter 20, he says, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he was declaring. This is what he was preaching. And so if you don't love God, if that's something that has not bared itself out in your life, I want you to read these over and over and over again so that you can truly enter into a genuine relationship with God through faith and repentance. In 1 John chapter 1, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and will forgive us. It's so simple. If we just confess our sins, he is faithful and will forgive us. And so if that's, if that's where you're at right now, and honestly, you need to just spend some time confessing. You just need to, to spend some time laying it out on the table and saying, here's what it is, God. Then I wanna give you that opportunity right now. And so out of respect for everybody in the room, can you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's give everybody an opportunity to have some personal time with God right now. When we truly believe that Jesus is the Christ, we must repent and we must enter into a life of faith. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now I pray that as everybody's heads are bowed, as everybody's eyes are closed, I pray that you would begin to work in only the way that you can. I pray that you would infiltrate our hearts. I pray that you would begin to stir our affections for you in a way that you never have before. You know us better than anyone. Maybe right now we're at the doorstep of repentance, but we can't seem to take that step. Our pride and our ego are in the way and we just don't want to admit it. I pray that you would knock down whatever walls need to be knocked down so that we can confess, so that we can repent and that your forgiveness can be poured out upon us. Lord, I believe that everybody under the sound of my voice right now, when, when you ask the question, do you love me? I believe everybody wants to say yes. I do undoubtedly, no question about it, I love you. But for so many of us, we have to be honest and say, We've been going through the motions. Maybe we've created some good habits for ourselves, but there's nothing deep down and sustainable in the life that we're living for you. And I pray for those of us who would fall in that category, that you would capture our hearts, that you would bring us into your presence, that you would lavish us with your love and grace and that we can lay down our lives before you, and we can walk out of this room free of sin, renewed in faith, renewed minds, completely given to you. See, it doesn't take the perfect song. It doesn't take the perfect words. It just takes a willing heart just take somebody who is willing to lay it all before you and allow you to do the work. And I pray that through your power and through your love, that that's what you would do right now across this room. That right now you would enter into our hearts. That right now you would begin to turn that need to be turned, that you would begin to stir the things that need to be stirred, that you would begin to to open us up to things that we were never opened up to before, to begin to prepare and equip us for a life that is truly given to you with everything that we have, God. We count everything as a loss in view of your surpassing value. We want to enter into that with all that we have today.